Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everybody. Monday, August 23rd, 2021. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary, which of course can also be found on uh, any of the different podcasting formats. It is called Slaying Bulls and Bears. I'm attempting to make the complex and complicated simple and sensical. Everything you're about to see has been prepared for use with both investors and financial advisors, each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is for subjective informational purposes only. Uh, We had a pretty solid across the board red week last week. Negative news, a lot of economic misses, which was concerning, and continued concern about China, not to mention the Speaker of the House of Representatives pulling back uh, members from an August recess for some procedural votes likely to happen as early as this evening. So the S&P 500 was down about a half a percent last week. Small and mid-cap stocks really took it on the chin. International markets crushed with emerging markets down almost 5% on the week and solidly negative now for the year. Anytime you get a little fear in the equity markets, you generally get a bid in the fixed income markets. You can see the aggregate bond index up 16 basis points. High yield off in sympathy with equities. We're starting to see high yield spreads actually widen out a little bit. If you remember, I think it was back in July, we reduced our Uh, Equity exposure a little bit. We also reduced our high yields exposure, cut it in half from 20% of fixed income down to just 10% of fixed income. But Glenn Ombach here, uh, co-chief investment officer, shared an amazing graph with me this week that I wanted to share with you. Said, hey, you know, Herb, maybe this is an opportunity in the emerging markets, the biggest of which is China. We're investigating that. No decisions have been made. He said, you know, despite the news about Chinese crackdowns, about, uh, you know, troubles with its rival, the United States of America, assets held by foreigners continue to rise. Now, this is in local currency, renminbi. Blue is bonds. So right here into the end of June, continuing to go up, up, up. So with all, even though with all the concerns about the communist crackdown, many see some of the communist crackdown as as more reforms similar to some of the reforms we want, some people want here in the U.S., things about user privacy, data controls, et cetera. Uh, so uh, equities and bonds, equities being the gold line here, continue to be accumulated by overseas investors in China, in local currency. So this may turn out to be a cyclical opportunity in the emerging markets. We'll continue to watch and look and see. Back, coming back home for a minute, New York State Manufacturing Index um, came in, came off of a record high, came in high at 18. That was good. 
But what was negative, it was well below the expectations of 28.5. Still having troubles with the supply chain, bottlenecks are evident everywhere as delivery times lengthen, there are still unfilled orders and they're actually increasing. That's holding back the output as the survey respondents told um, folks at the Empire State Manufacturing Survey. Retail sales fell 1.1%, another miss, that's two now, another miss after being expected to only go down three tenths of a percent. Now retail sales can be volatile. Uh, and then we have things like, you know, stimulus checks coming off, child tax credit payments coming off, et cetera, like that. But uh, that was a miss, not necessarily a positive number. We saw a little bit of a rise at restaurants, but they're in that kind of reopening phase of the, uh, of the cycle. Moving on to industrial production. Industrial production was supposed to go up a half percent. That was a beat. That was good. It was up nine-tenths of a percent. It rebounded 1.4 following a manufacturing side of production, up 1.4 following a decline in the month of June. There was a bigger jump in auto production after the seasonal plant shutdown, which offset it a little bit some of the supply issues that still remain, especially related to uh, microprocessors, i.e. computer chips. We did see a little tick up in capacity utilization. We don't really don't worry about capacity utilization issues until we're well north of 80, so we've got a long way to go there. There's plenty of capacity. It's about getting supply and parts. On a positive note, and in line with expectations, business inventories rose eight-tenths of a percent on top of a six-tenths percent gain. Continued confidence, I think, is what I would read into this. Many, many consecutive months uh, of an increase. In fact, over the last 90 days, we've seen inventories up by 121 billion. That's not because sales aren't coming out the other side of those inventories. That's representing confidence in the future. Inventory builds in this case are certainly a very, very good thing. Also on the negative side, we went to a very robust 75 on the National Association of Home Builders Sentiment Index. That's down from 80, still very high, but the expectations were to get another 80. So we're gonna call it a miss. Same thing, supply constraints, high prices, uh, traffic and current conditions fell a little bit uh, those are still really high readings. Remember, in this, anything over 50, anything over 50 in NAHB sentiment is a positive. Uh, we also got housing starts for the month of July. They fell uh, and they were below expectations, down 7%. Estimate was for 1.6 million. Annualized came in at a little over 1.5. Uh, what did the uh, survey say? Supply constraints, labor constraints uh, held back some of the home construction. So the same, some of the same problems. Well, we have high prices, we could get high margins, but we can't get workers. Building permits came in at 1.65, uh, 1.65. On the good news side, on the really good news side was weekly initial claims for employment down below 350 and better than expected. So we expected 364, which was down from 377, coming in at 348. Again, back prior to the pandemic, economy was booming, labor market was very strong. We were in the twos uh, and I had never seen twos in my career. So I was very excited about it. Uh, but getting closer uh, down below 350 there, really, really great. Continuing claims also continued to, to uh, run off just a little bit. Moving on to uh, uh, Philly Fed. Philly Fed, uh, I should have pushed this right next to Empire for you, but Philly Fed 
fell from 21.9 to 19.4. 19.4 is a good reading, but again, it was a miss. And this is this recurring theme now. Uh, you know, I always say, hey, when you, when you continue to beat expectations, whether it's with earnings or economic data, that's usually a good bull market sign. Market keeps rolling higher. When you continually miss, that's usually not a very good sign for a bull market. And I, I just think we're starting to see more misses than we have in quite some time. But when you read through it, okay, we're missing, but you know, firms are struggling to meet demand. There's still massive amounts of demand out there. We also saw new orders pick up. Uh, delivery times fell, all good news, but mm, well, we still had a drop and a miss. Not ready to call that a negative, but it was a miss. If you look in the aggregate, Citibank puts out these surprise indices that I get off of the Bloomberg terminal. And it sort of measures the aggregate of the economic reports in different uh, geographical areas. So the blue line represents the United States. When the blue line is above zero, which is you know right here, then we're in general beating estimates and surprising to the upside. When it goes below zero, you can see that, uh, well, it typically means we're not beating. So what you have now is the only area that's beating expectations still is Asia. Asia's doing pretty good, the Asia Pacific region. But you've got uh, China, which this is, the other one is Asia X China. You've got China down big, really missing, big economy. The United States missing the most. And then you've seen the uh, Eurozone really just keep falling off a cliff. So we're really having a lot of economic data misses here. Uh, part of the reason, remember, we're still overweight equity to our benchmarks, but we reduced that overweight to equity uh, in July, seeing some of this start to come down, one of the other things. The other thing okay, I think that's holding markets back a little bit is we're trying to figure out what's going to happen now with this rise in cases uh, let's start with the first graph in the upper left, daily new COVID cases in the United States of America. We peaked back in January, you know, at 250,000, but we're, ro we're rocking here. We're up to 150,000. If there's good news in that, it's that the daily deaths are, are not up as much. Daily deaths peaked back in December, 3,500 all the way down here. They've come back up, up to about a thousand, but not nearly as bad uh, as it was. Of course, we don't want to see any deaths uh, from anything, but uh, it's, it means that we're, we're either treated, we're treating it better. Uh, the hospital stays are shorter, the, but the ICU patient count is continuing to rise and significantly. So I had a good friend, spent several days in the hospital last week with uh, COVID. He was very much uh, opposed to vaccine. He's now developed antibodies and he'll be getting his vaccine soon. He's now he moved to the other side of that debate and uh, he's very vocal about it. We had a conversation over the weekend. I guess he had a very significant scare being in the ICU in Ohio um, last week. So we wish him a continued speedy recovery. He is home. So that's good. The other thing that's starting to rock the market. So you've got, you know, significant slowdown, missing economic data points. We're kind of past the earnings season. The earnings season was fantastic. We've got number one, you got the increase in coronavirus. Uh, number two, the concern whether or not there's going to be shutdowns or, or different things that would slow the reopening or slow the economy. You've got the pending taper of the Fed. And the Fed came out with the minutes last week and they said, we're tapering this year. Uh, and it's likely to be, you know, 
it's, it's, it's 80 billion a month right now in mortgage backs, 40 billion in treasuries. You cut them both by about 5 billion, you know, or maybe, you know, one by 10 and one by five, you could be done. You could be done buying in six, seven, eight months uh, before you finally start raising rates, but throw on top of all of that. I mentioned earlier, speaker of the house called the house back into session. This is the August recess recess. We might have a vote tonight. What you've got is you've got uh, a $1 trillion infrastructure. I'm going to put quotes around that because a lot of the things in there are not infrastructure. That's how bills are happening in the United States. We pile in pet projects and different things. And uh, that was passed in a bipartisan way by the Senate. And in the House, you got a very, uh, you got a number of people in the majority party who are very uh, progressive or socialist or whatever you want to call it. And they would like to see a far, far bigger package. In fact, a massive package, which would essentially remake the United States of America's uh, fiscal policy and really move us closer to more of that socialized uh, democracy, European style uh, plan. And they would really like to see that happen. There's a group and, they, and that package is three and a half trillion. They say they want to go, let's go right to that three and a half trillion dollar and move both packages uh, forward at the same time. Now, there are a group of nine centrist Democrats in the House of Representatives who are not as far to the left and progressive on an economic basis, and they do not support that. And they wrote an op-ed, op op opposite editorial page article in the Washington Post over the weekend where they implored the Speaker of the House to vote now. Uh, to vote now on the $1 trillion package and move it on, thinking there'd be less of a chance of the $3.5 trillion package um, type it starting to happen. So, th but the more progressive or left-leaning Democrats really want them to go through together. And Pelosi's trying to, you know, get a coalition of her, you know, her group um, together. So this $3.5 trillion spending package has me as portfolio manager concerned uh, I always say, you know, there's always a lot of talk during elections and after elections about what's going to happen. And we have to wait and see what actually does happen. But the fact that she called them back, um, they're serious about making, trying to make this happen. Uh, this would be, uh, has to be paid for. And so doing so would, would likely have a very significant negative effect on um, my customers, on you, uh, uh, many of you because uh, this would have a negative effect on capital formation. It would have a negative effect on employment. And even if you're not in these top marginal brackets that are going to be impacted, uh, because it will stifle and retard capital formation, I think that we are now for the first time concerned about how this might impact uh, portfolios. So let's take a look at what they've got in there. If you wanna really get into detail, you can go ahead and Google green book tax plan, you'll, you'll be able to bring it up, but they want to raise the rate, uh, the corporate tax rate from 21%, the current, that's where it's been since the tax cut and job acts in 2017, up to 28%. So that's about a 33% increase in corporate tax taxes that will go right to the bottom line. That will hurt earnings. Earnings will hurt stock prices. So if earnings go down, stock prices would theoretically go down all of the things uh, being equal. Uh, I think the market would tolerate 25% for what that's worth. They also want to take that they're going to take the top federal tax bracket, which is currently 37%, but it's really 39.9 because you've got the Obamacare 
sure tax at 2.9%. They want to take it to 39.6, again, plus the 2.9, brings you up to about 43.4. That's on taxable income over 509,000. The only thing good in that is they say they want to index to inflation. So if your taxable adjusted gross income is above 509,000 for a married couple, you'd be paying more taxes. But I'm really more concerned with the impact on the portfolio returns for everybody who's below 509,000. They'd also want to take the tax on long-term capital gains. You know, we've all said, hey, we, if you hold something over a year, you pay a lower rate, 20% as opposed to 40%. Well, they want to take that all the way up to the ordinary income rate, which would be 43.4% with anybody on taxable income over a million dollars. Well, remember, it's not just somebody buying or selling a stock or a mutual fund. We're talking about large capital investments for businesses, mid-sized capital investments for, for mid-sized and small-sized businesses. So it's a very significant disincentive for capital investment. When you invest in a business, capital appreciation, take a big risk, take a big risk you could lose all the money. And now you're saying, well, if you do succeed, we're going to take 43.4%. That's just the federal. I live in California where there's another 13 on the state. So you're looking at well more than 50% of the profit. You don't get to keep, but you're responsible for 100% of the loss. In addition, in this package, they want to take uh, and eliminate what's commonly referred to as the stepped up basis. This is when you have a married couple, one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse can raise the cost basis for tax purposes on all of their jointly held assets to the value on the date of death. That would be the family business, the family stocks, the portfolio, the home, et cetera. Now they're saying the most you can get tax free uh, for that step up would be a million dollars. Well, for people in California with homes in New York, et cetera, uh, and portfolios, that doesn't do a whole lot of good. This would generate revenue and allow for more spending, but it would be a negative, in my view, for capital formation, for corporate profits, and for the economy. Interestingly, a big, a big idea that they wanted was to get rid of that state and local tax uh, limitation at 10,000. Uh, There's nothing in there about doing that. All right, so with all that good news for you folks, let's move on to economic data this week. We've got Marquette services and manufacturing today, along with existing home sales, new home sales Tuesday, durable goods on Wednesday, weekly jobless claims, second quarter GDP is expected to revise up a little bit from the initial print, personal income spending, PCE inflation on Friday and consumer sentiment. We did have, you know, last week we had the Fed minutes. It's really a question of uh, when, not if the tapering begins and then ultimately the rate hikes. Uh, don't forget, Tune me in on the podcast. Please give me a thumbs up and likes, a like, et cetera. It really helps with our visibility out there. We always like to get as many followers as possible. It's free. So tell your friends, uh, tell your college kids, anybody who wants to learn a little bit about economics and markets and what's going on um, in the world. Thank you, as always, for uh, tuning in. Talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.